Loss of a loved one can be extremely painful. Most bereaved people will find a way to adapt to their loss over time, with support from people in their natural environment. However, when seeking support, some people turn to their doctor. A recent Practice Pointer article published in the BMJ on supporting patients who are bereaved explains how doctors can be an important source of support for bereaved people and says they have the opportunity to make a positive difference in their experience of loss and grief. I'm Kate Adlington, Clinical Editor at the BMJ, and I'm joined today by two of the authors of this article. Dr Cathy Shear, an internist and psychiatrist at the Centre for Complicated Grief, Columbia University, New York. Hi Cathy, thanks for joining us. Hi Kate. And I'm also joined by Stephanie Mulberg, a bereaved mother who is dedicated to helping people affected by grief. Hi Stephanie. Hi Kate. Perhaps we can start today, um, Stephanie, by asking you, why did you feel it was important to be involved with writing this article and um, what was your experience? Well, I think um, that many patients um, that uh, have just lost somebody that they've loved and they um, are seeing a physician um, sometimes encounter difficult situations um, when they're visiting a doctor. And going to the doctor can be a trigger. You know, many people have been taking care of um, a loved one who's been ill. And then um, actually their well-being, they sort of stop taking care of themselves for a while or taking care of somebody else. And then when you go back to the doctor's, for a checkup or whatever it might be, um, and they're sometimes they're concerned if the doctor might even address the fact that they have lost somebody, which I think is very important that they do. Um, and sometimes they they're looking to speak to somebody, and I think it's important for doctors to learn how to address and speak to somebody um, and empathize with um, a grieving person. And from your experience, is this something that you've um, seen done particularly well or, or, or do you think sometimes doctors maybe find it difficult to, to raise someone's loss or talk about someone's loss um, in these situations? Well, I think it's, it's, it's always difficult to talk about a loss. So it doesn't surprise me that doctors have a difficult time doing it. Um, I think that they're often just concerned about becoming, you know, too emotional in front of a patient, um, which I don't really necessarily think is such a horrible thing to be. I mean, you know, losing somebody that someone loves is a hard thing and it affects different people in different ways. Um, I don't always think that doctors know how to handle it. I've been in some situations where um, doctors have been just incredibly helpful and supportive and, and empathetic. And I can give you an example of one. Um, I had a pain in my wrist and I was um, convinced that I had bone cancer. Um, my son had passed away from bone cancer and I was convinced that I had it. So I went to the doctor and uh, he didn't know that my son had died from cancer, but I told him. And you know, I spoke to him and he said, well, you know, I really think it's just an inflammation and I'd prefer not to do an x-ray right now. Um, but if you want one, I will certainly do one. I can see that you're, you're very activated. Um, but I'd really prefer to wait for a few days, and um, I will tell the people at the front desk 
about your situation. And if you call for another appointment, you can come in the next time that you want to and we'll do your x-ray. And that was really just, you know, comforting enough for me. And at the end of the appointment, he said to me, you know, I'm really sorry to hear about your son, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was really a very kind gentleman, and it was just uh, a really nice experience for me. Mm. Kathy, would you like to pick up on that point about, about the importance of doctors acknowledging loss and not being afraid to talk about it, but also sharing it perhaps more widely with with the healthcare team. Yes, I think it's such an important point that um, the doctors don't shy away from discussing or acknowledging, really acknowledging a loss, and that they do share it appropriately with others in their staff. Um, and I think that in addition to what Stephanie mentioned, which is that it may be that, that there's some hesitancy because it's an emotional topic for the doctor and the doctor may be a bit afraid of that. I think another issue is um, one that was, that was stated very eloquently by one of your countrymen, John Bowlby, a number of years ago, um, when he pointed out that it is very, very painful to witness loss, to acknowledge loss, because we're so impotent to help. And physicians, of course, are, our whole you know, orientation is to help people. What we're talking about today is that, in fact, we're not completely helpless. And I, I found it useful kind of reading the article to think of it in sort of a couple of ways so you give this sort of more practical advice about how how the things that you might like to explore in a conversation so you know to actually ask about the person and who who has died and the circumstances of their death and you know maybe about the support system but also then thinking a little bit more broadly and perhaps ab- abstractly about kind of what that grief what their grief means to them and and how they might adapt to their to that loss in their life Maybe, do you want to comment on those sort of sort of the more practical side of that com- communication, but also then kind of that that as I say that more abstract side? Sure. So, so from a practical standpoint, I think something that's really important is that we know that doctors these days, maybe always, but certainly these days, are very very busy, and they they really can't spend long periods of time talking with people. They can't really do a counseling session with a bereaved person. At the same time, it's so important to convey that it's okay to talk about the person and it's okay to talk about the loss. And maybe even to say that, um, that they're, you know, maybe even to tell the person something like they're used to talking to, pe- to bereaved people and, um, and that doesn't mean that they know, you know, if I'm, if I'm seeing someone, I might say to them, you know, I'm, I'm very used to talking to bereaved people. Um, but that doesn't mean that I, I know what you're experiencing and I would like to hear about it. But I want to tell you that we might possibly have to stop, um, before I can hear as much as I would want to. And that's not because I'm not interested, but because we do have limited time today. So you kind of set the stage in that way. And what you're listening for 
as they're talking gets into a bit more of that abstract level that you're talking about because what you're really listening for is how the person is experiencing grief and also how they're beginning to get their life back on track. And it is unique to each and every person and not only each person, but each loss that, that any of us experiences. We're going to have grief that's a little bit different or maybe very different. Grief, it, it, it's a physiologic as well as psychological response. So our whole body, you could say almost every molecule of our body can respond to the loss of someone to whom we're very close. Within the first few months, if you see someone within the first few months, certainly the first few weeks after someone dies, but the first few months, you're going to be, you're going to be just um, trying to be with them and, and basically helping them see that this is a very natural response. And most people find, especially find the emotionality of this, this acute reaction to be pretty disconcerting because it seems to be something um, very different from what we experience in almost any other situation, even stressful situations. We usually don't get quite as emotional as we do during, during grief and we aren't triggered quite as easily and such. And so in the beginning, it's, it's really a lot of just accepting that even in your office, you know, in front of you, you're going to accept it. You're not going to try to, you know, sort of reassure the person or really even directly comfort them. The comfort is in being listened to and in, in being understood, basically. Stephanie, I wondered if I could um, bring you in and, and ask if any of this sort of rings true in, in your experience or sounds familiar Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the most important things um, that Dr. Shear told me herself is that, you know, I was, you know, that she, everybody knows that grief never ends, but it's really very important to um, grieve and at the same time, you know, move forward in your life. And I think that's an important, you know, topic or something for doctors to realize and be able to speak to their patients about that this is something that happens and it's, it's sad and it's horrible, but there is a way to, you know, move forward to, um, you know, have a life of, you know, joy and satisfaction, you know, in the future. And I think that there are a lot of things that doctors can recognize with the patient being, you know, starting to get stuck. And um, sometimes just, you know, a brief explanation of what's happening can really help the patient, you know, sort of think about what's going on with themselves and with their loss and their grief and how they're acting and how they're behaving and, you know, really um, think about what they can do um, and they might need further help to figure out how they can, you know, move forward. But just as Dr. Shear said, you know, it's a really complicated process and a lot of things happen. And, but they're, you know, sometimes just, uh, you know, a patient just needs an empathic ear and uh, an ability to talk about it and an explanation as to what's happening to them. I suppose it's something that needs to be discussed in a sensitive way because you wouldn't want someone to feel that they're being encouraged to move on before they're ready or or that that in any way is encouraging them to you know forget or not think about the person they've lost. So and in it in the article you talk about um integrating the grief and integrating the loss into your life um, as part of the process. I, 
could you sort of, I suppose, comment a little bit more on, on, on what that means and how you might support someone to do that? Yeah, I want to say something that, um, Kate, you just said that you don't want people, you don't want to be encouraging people to move on before they're ready. And I think that's a very common idea and it's, it, it has a lot of merit. On the other hand, what it, what it, it misses a little bit of um, what I think is very helpful, which is that, of course, when someone first dies, grief is center stage, and it really kind of is all that matters. However, one of the things we've learned about, really about coping with any kind of stress, and it includes the stress of bereavement, is that while you're suffering, you can still move forward in your own life. You'll see this happening naturally. You naturally oscillate actually between feeling intense pain and kind of our brains kind of set it aside or in a sense forget. And that that's a natural process. And it's a way of kind of dosing the emotions and allowing our full brain, including the part of our mind that's out of our awareness, to start to adapt to this loss. Part of that is starting to actually think about what kinds of things that are actually positive that we can do. Um, maybe listen to some music, have a cup of tea with a friend. There are many things that, that people can do that are simple everyday activities that are rewarding. And not only that, pretty early on in the process, it's a good idea to start to envision what things it could be like. You know, maybe they're not like that right now, but what kinds of things people might want to be doing with themselves in a world, in a sense, in a world still defined by the absence. The Portuguese have this word saudade that I think is very beautiful. It it's, doesn't apparently translate that well into English, but it's something like um, the presence of absence. And so, you know, you're living now in a world of saudade, and that's always going to be there. But you can still start to, to envision some kinds of ways that you might be able to have good things in your life, even though you're going to be sad. Stephanie, maybe you want to come in there. I think it's very important for, you know, for doctors to um, have this conversation. First of all, it tells them a lot of information because, you know, if someone answers them and says, well, I, I can't possibly do anything fun or I can't imagine doing something, you know, that might be you know, signs that, oh, maybe it's more than just grief. This might be somebody who is, you know, depressed or having, a, you know, more of a difficult time than um, with, their, with their loss, and they might need some additional help. Um, and I think it's also wonderful for doctors to sort of, in a way, give permission, because grieving people sometimes have a hard time with that. They feel guilty about doing certain things. And by hearing doctors who they trust make a comment and suggest something, you know, it's something, it's just, even if it's just, you know, planting a seed, you know, it might not happen right away, it might happen in a couple of weeks, but it's, it's comforting to know that, say, a physician might feel that, you know what, um, I have faith that, you know, things are going to get better, I know things are going to get better, it happens, you know, grief is really difficult, but you, know, you do feel better down the road, you always be grieving, but you can enjoy yourself again. So you're mentioning there's some, I suppose, some practical ways or practical things that doctors can do to to 
to support someone in in their grief. Uh, do you, are there other are there other ways or other things that doctors can discuss or or um, point people towards that you think might support them at such a difficult time? Well, you know, as as Dr. Shear mentioned, you know, you know, visits are you know short short visits, and so I always think that's a little challenging for physicians. But I think that there are certainly things, you know, you know, say suggesting maybe a follow up visit. Um, you know, I just want to check in with you. You know, have a coming back in a couple of months. I want to you know make sure everything's okay. Um, I think having, of course, information at hand, and Dr. Shear has a wonderful handout for, say, handling difficult times, for doctors to have things to give to patients um, with helpful information about what they can do while they're struggling, um, things to expect, ways to help themselves um, with their loss, um, uh, information that they need that's correct. I mean, grief's a very difficult topic to discuss. And, you know, just by opening the conversation, um, about grief and loss you know, by doctors and physicians doing that, it just gives permission for patients, I think, who often want to talk about their loss, mm-hmm. but sometimes, you know, feel a little uncomfortable about doing so. But by, you know, having the opportunity to do so with the doctor, it's really very helpful for them. Um, and from your experience, were there any areas that you felt maybe could have been done better or, or that you would have liked to have been done differently looking back? I think that, um, I've mentioned this to Dr. Shear a few times, that, you know, I used to fill out um, intake questions and they would ask, you know, have you lost anybody in your family to cancer or, or whatever, whatever diseases. And um, quite often, even though I filled that out and I would say, you know, son, and whenever I, I had lost my, the child, that they really never addressed that. So I sort of was saying, why are they asking me these questions mm-hmm. if they're not going to talk about it? And this is important information. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but, you know, generally, I think, you know, the doctors, you know, they, they, they really tried with me. I think a lot of them that I had been going to for many years, they knew that I had a child that was sick and so when I came back. Um, definitely some were a little bit um, more comfortable with this than others. Um, but, you know, generally, you know, they wanted to sort of help me as they could. And, you know, I, I needed a bunch of reassurance. And it really wasn't until, um, you know, I met Dr. Shear and she really explained to me that I was going to, gr- I had to grieve and move forward in my life. You know, I wasn't able to do that. And I think that they also, some of the doctors that I had seen prior to that, weren't really, um, they didn't understand what, the you know syndrome of complicated grief was, and you know now it's more and more well known, and I think that they really could have perhaps um, suggested that I seek other mm. help. Now, how important it is for doctors to be able to di- differentiate between grief and depression, especially uh, much later if they've been the patient has been struggling for you know a long time, you know it can be really difficult. And you know the one thing that you know, doctors could say to um, patients also is that we, we know, you know, how much grief affects your health and, and, and sort of explain to them the different things that, you know, your body, how your body reacts when you're grieving. Because sometimes it's sort of shocking. It was shocking to me. It would have been really nice for me to hear some of these things from doctors 
so that I wouldn't have to really worry about them so much because sometimes, you know, I spent a lot of time worrying about things I didn't have to worry about. And, you know, it was Dr. Hsu who was able to really start to make me feel better. And when she said, oh, I, these are things that, that you might feel. And it's okay. We're going to feel them for, them for a while, but we're going to try to, you know, work through ways and, and help you do things so that you don't feel quite the same. Because grief is not the same for everybody. It has a lot of the similar symptoms, but no one really grieves the same. And it's a really important point that you make that people who are grieving aren't immune from other physical and mental health problems that, you know, can affect anyone. So it's really important to be be aware of those things. Kathy? Right. And so, you know, the difference between between grief and depression is people who are grieving do not lose the ability to um, to have positive emotions. And with people who are depressed, that, that is kind of a hallmark of depression. Again, a, a typical person who's grieving, if you do get them talking about the person who died, not infrequently they can do that with early on, especially they can do it with positive emotion because they're remembering the things they love so much. Kathy, just to touch on one of the, uh, the aspects in the article, w- was about three important themes that are useful when discussing bereavement with a with a person, and and conceptualizing bereavement. Do do you want to mention those and explain a little bit more about these? Sure, um, sure, and 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 actually, I want to add one one thing to what we've been discussing here, just to build on what Stephanie. Um, was saying that, and it does relate to one of those three themes. One of the most important things that a doctor can do is to to make sure that the patient understands that it's okay to talk about this topic. One of the things that um, having that permission to talk about it might do is not infrequently um, people have some kind of nagging question about the medical circumstances of the death. Um, And that gets to the first of those three themes, which is the first thing that you're going to want to look for is is a way to make sure that there's a process going on by which the person is coming to understand, fully understand, comprehend, and accept the reality of the loss, meaning its finality. and, And that process of understanding has a lot of different pieces, but one of them might well be literally understanding what happened, you know, at the time of their death. And the second of those themes is being able to envision a life moving forward that has some possibility for good things in it, for happiness, as, as um, Stephanie said, for joy and satisfaction, at least the possibility for that. And that's, again, a process, as you pointed out. It's not something that people can, both of you pointed that out, that not, people may not be able to do that in the first weeks or months after someone died, but still, you know, a doctor gently kind of directing them in that direction and monitoring whether that's starting to emerge is, is the second theme. And then the third theme is that as they do that, most people will start to have a much a, a, a strong, you know, they'll start to have an awareness, a sense of the ongoing sort of connection they have with the person who died, which is now very different, of course. Now it's in that form of saudade again. It's a, it's in a form where it's always going to be bittersweet, 
but it's still a reality and it's still a part of the of the belief person's life. So you want to see some evidence of that, you know, in, in talking about the person in ways that they're thinking about honoring the person, that sort of thing. I, I suppose an important thing to note, which is perhaps different to, again, what we've talk, been talking about before, but this idea that there's quite a linear process and that seems to be quite an old, you know, quite traditional view of, of grieving. But actually all these three themes are things that are going that are going on simultaneously and to be addressed sort of simultaneously and, and in different amounts and are, are kind of fluctuating over time. Not, it's not sequential. It's, yes, exactly. And really there's a lot of, um, of work that's been go- going on in the sanitology world that's really elucidated that, that this idea that it's it really the, the notion that we sequentially go through stages just hasn't it really isn't what happens. It's people have discovered that isn't what happens. Mm. You've been listening to Catherine Shear and Stephanie Mulberg talk about their article, Supporting Patients Who Are Bereaved, which is now available on thebmj.com. Thanks for joining us and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. There are over 200 episodes to listen to and they're all available for free. That's all for this episode. Thanks very much for joining us. Bye-bye.